Hey guys, welcome to the Gamer Rage Gamer Entitlement panel. My name's Stephen Holler. I do freelance writing for a bunch of people like Game Informer, Game Front of the US, and my inside pizzas for breakfast. Let these other guys introduce themselves. Who gets that with me? Um, I'm GT, I'm the EA community manager in Australia for games labels, so everything like Battlefield, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, um, which is one of the major reasons that I'm here today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> along with you know, any of the sort of meet and speeds and uh, Titanfall, Crisis, okay, the fun stuff, really. Um, but yeah, that's me. Who are you filling in for, GT? I'm filling in for Chris Priestley. He unfortunately uh, has been done with so he's had to run off. Um, but he did send his regards and he wishes he could be here. Yes, yeah, so if you're here to see him, sorry. He's stuck with us now. That one guy is he's really sad. Sorry. It's not like a frown. Yeah, like a big frown. Sorry. I am Ben Salter, I'm the editor of MMGen.com and a game reporter for Anonymous N. <coughs> cool. Who are you? I'm uh, Steve Wright, I'm with Survivor.com and uh, games and community and news and fun, happy stuff. Uh, I'm Nick, I'm the creative director at No, a small indie studio in Sydney. We're uh, working on a PS4 title at the moment, which hopefully will come out quite early, maybe around launch. So you just did your own press release. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to take the opportunities when you can. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name is Mark, I have no idea what I'm doing right here, right now, but uh, I work on Game Informer, I work at Pixels for Breakfast with Stephen. Sorry, hello, yeah, sorry, thank you. you hate being cool, so you. your words. Awesome, so we're here to talk about our game retirement. Um, two people dropped out, obviously Chris Priestley couldn't be here. Paul Verhoeven told us this morning that he wasn't showing up, so that was nice of him. So this is going to be a bit of a ragtag sort of ramble, like two guys just been out today that are on this panel. So we wanted to start off talking about how game retirement sort of existed before the days of the internet. I know Nick has some interesting thoughts on this, um, how people used to share their thoughts on the playground about video games in general. <laughs> You're picking on me because I'm the oldest. Yes, that's so right. way back in the day before the internet, yeah. we used the to only one that remembers. <laughs> we used to hang around in things called playgrounds, and um, we would bitch about games. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you know, but obviously before the internet, everyone had the same feelings about games that they probably do now. Uh, you just didn't have the same way to kind of communicate that desire to the to the entire world, and then find other people that maybe had the, the same feelings. So. I don't think that gamer entitlement is never is, is a new phenomenon. I think it's just something that's kind of always been there. We've just got a new way to communicate it. And so it's become something that's much more obvious um, within society or within games anyway because you, we can all find like-minded people on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or wherever uh, and express an opinion that maybe only you and your friends in the playground or wherever before would have had. And, and also media was much more controlled prior to the internet in that you know, you'd have an opinion, you'd write into a magazine... Uh, and they can only print four or five stories in that magazine, and they're not going to print, print loads and loads of moaning, horrible, depressing stories because they're trying to make people feel great so they'll buy more games. Whereas obviously now on, on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and all these things, you, you can express your own opinion and it's not so controlled. So I, I think that's kind of you know, a dynamic that's changed, obviously, with, with the new forms of media that we have now. Right. Entitlement's always been there in that sense of entitlement and wanting something that you didn't get. Um, the, inter the internet breeds trolls though and I think we all like one another on I've looked at Twitter just then and people are already complaining about this panel <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was me sorry <laughs> it's it, you have the right to complain about things that you don't like in games it's, it's whether or not you've sat there and actually thought about what you're saying or if you're just wanting to be the person yelling the loudest on Twitter that's how I kind of feel about it lately. isn't that what Twitter is just Twitter yelling louder than other people pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a picture Hashtag this sucks. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's, it's always been there. If you look back at you know, 99 issues of, of like a, a Hyper or a PC Power Play, like the letters to the editor are still there. And they're generally, I mean, you haven't got as much real estate on two pages as you do in all of the tweets that happen in one day. But there were still people that were complaining about things then. So it's... I, wouldn't, I don't even like to call it complaining. Like, I think it's voicing an opinion and a feeling at the time. Um, but yeah, it's always been there. It's not something that's gone away. It's just we have so much more power now to speak. Like Your voice is instantly louder if you do it on some kind of social media. Yeah, But there's, I think there's good things that come out of that. The fact that people can group together now and form communities and identify something that they don't like and then you know, form, form such a big group that you can exert um, change. And you know, the world needs that in certain things because you know, we look at what's happening with the US government in prison at the moment, the fact they're spying on people. It, you know, with the internet, we can get behind people that complain about that and, oops, and maybe change that, that, that dynamic. And you know, the same happens in games. Sometimes we're good uh, and sometimes we're bad. But you know, we've got to, as, as someone who makes games, I've got to be aware that, that you know, people like yourself are going to be buying them and I'm got, I've got to try and make sure that I'm making things that people are going to be happy with and, and, and enjoy. But at the same time, the people who are buying them have to realise that I've, got an infinite, I've not got an infinite amount of time and money and I've, I can only do so much to, to make that game good and fun and successful and, um, and something that hopefully you all enjoy. Fair enough. I want to talk about a particular title that a lot of people in this room are going to probably have some opinions about is the Mass Effect 3 ending debacle, whichever way you look at it. I'm quite sure that Jigsy has nightmares about this still. I thought we were talking about Plants vs. Zombies 2. That's for another thing. All right. yeah. <laughs> um, so how was that for you? Because obviously you had a whole bunch of angry people uh, banging down Bioware's door. How has it been the Aussie community manager during all that? Uh, painful. Um, and I say that, I say that like, not as painful uh, for me specifically, but the thing that I hated the most was that this was not just a game to people. Like the, There's 90-odd hours if you just play the minimum across three games. It's something I did the maths on it. It's something like 174 hours if you do every single thing in every single game. To have these people like look at the last five minutes of something and be hurt by that. And, and that's really what it was, is that people were grieving and flocked to share their experiences about it. Was was painful to see because I know that the guys that I knew that worked on it wanted to have this beautiful ending to this saga that they created. And for some of that to have carried through, but for some of it to have not, and for people to have been disappointed, I can only imagine how painful that was for you know, the writers and people that have poured almost their entire lives into these games to, to, to see that kind of go, we didn't do what people wanted. And it was a really interesting thing. Do you guys have any thoughts at all? What, now or ever? <laughs> uh, <laughs> in general, yeah. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. Um, we, we were talking about it before, and it's everyone... Who, who in this room has finished Mass Effect 3? So not Ooh. many of you at all. Then. No, no one. Okay. <laughs> How many people were disappointed with the ending? How many people jumped up and kicked and screamed and wanted to see something changed? I can already see one. <laughs> he works for me, and now we're never going to get the HL controls again. Brilliant. You can, you can hate an ending to a video game, and I, I wasn't really thrilled with Mass Effect 3 either, but, and, and I have every right to whinge and complain about it. I can ask anybody to change the ending of their game or to rewrite the ending of that book that I didn't like. It, I can do that. I'm, I'm entitled to do that. And that's, that's a good word. Um, 
Bioware doesn't have to listen to you. And it's, it's kind of like that fine line between when, when is it rage and when are you actually entitled and why are people claiming, you know, why do people feel like they have the sense of entitlement? It's, it's a dicey subject. And someone else talk now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think part of it for me is, is that the fans have this outpouring because they have invested so much time. I mean, I played all three, all three games, love them. Um, and, and, and I think for me, they didn't feel anything wrong with the ending. Like I loved all the decision making, and then it was more the video at the end. I played it through, got the video, thought that's cool. And it wasn't until I went, oh, I wonder what the, the other stories are like. And you, you watch them on, on YouTube, and you see the three, the two other stories, and you're kind of like, oh, that's the same video that they've just made, red or blue or green. And that's when I kind of went, oh, I can kind of understand why people are maybe a little bit upset. But um, I think at the same time, it's also for me a lot of the, the gamer entitlement or the rage or whatever you want to call it is because there's this, we're still trying to work out how we all communicate with each other because we're, we're running businesses and we're making games and we're trying to make money, but we're also trying to make you guys happy and have fun and you know, enjoy doing stuff in your spare time. Um, and you guys are going out and buying things to have fun in your spare time. And you obviously want to invest in things that you enjoy and get very passionate about it. But with the internet, which changed so fast, we're still trying to work out the right ways to communicate with you so that we can get the message across and you know, I'm sure Bioware listened to every single bit of feedback that comes in. Yep. There's only so much they can do, and they probably didn't anticipate quite the level of, of passion and love. I mean, it's a great thing. You know, clearly, there's so many people invested in that game and loved it, and it, and and that that must be what hurt them the most is to see, God, we just did one thing wrong, and that's the thing that everyone's taken to heart. Yeah, and I had almost an exact same experience. The first time I played through and finished Mass Effect Three. I put the controller down and I went, wow. Like the, the choice I made at the end and the ending I got was what I kind of expected would my shepherd would have done. The shepherd that for the last 100 plus hours I had crafted and taken through these experiences. And for me, Mass Effect 3 as a whole was the ending to that series, not the last choice I made. So it was interesting as well, like after that, because I didn't even know that there was any kind of furor because... I kind of, you know, especially on the publisher side for that game, I existed in this bubble where I'd finished it three days before it came out, and I could not wait to have people tell me how they felt, thought about the ending. But it was, for me, that that story had almost the perfect ending for my shepherd with the choices that I had made over time. So but I totally understand. That's great for you because it worked out perfectly. But what about all those people yeah. you know, it didn't work out for? Steve, men- the Steve mentioned the book. It's really not fair to compare it to a book or a movie because this is one person's story. It's what they've decided to do. In a game, you're a part of it. You're meant to be changing what's happening. That didn't happen in Mass Effect. You got the colour. I mean, spoilers. Then <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the problem with Mass Effect. It just got so big and so elaborate with the idea of having a choice for everything you want to do there couldn't really have been any way of making it end happily for everyone. Yeah. I think it just got too big. It got overly yeah. detailed with the ideas and just couldn't finish it properly. And you're right that it's not a book. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a new, well, not a new medium, but it's, you know, it's, it's a video game. We know what a video game is. It's cool. Um, <laughs> and, and you can't change the ending to a book, really. You can put in DLC and you can do this and that and the other, but ent- entitlement's this kind of new... Thing that's causing a whole lot, a whole bunch of problems, and you know we can talk about the Xbox One. I'm sure we will. Um, oh yeah. Pe- people complained. 
they put in DLC and the ending got changed and people complained about that. So, you know, you put in DLC to fix this. Do you have to put in DLC to try to fix that new problem that started because of this? I wanted DLC to put the Mako back in. Like, that was what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like four people like the Mako. That's the, the other three of them out there. The problem I had with the DLC is, is you know, I, I like talking about games and I like that I don't have to like the ending of a game and we might disagree or we might agree and that's fine and you're always going to talk about it with friends and uh, who's heard of the indoctrination theory? I, I like asking questions of the audience. It's way too long to explain. Go and Google it. It is the coolest thing I have ever read. This guy wrote like massive amounts of text and was comparing um, things that happened in the first Mass Effect with the second into the third and he tried to tie it all together in a way that made sense. And it didn't matter if there weren't 15,000 endings, there was three and yeah, they might have looked the same but it all made sense. And then because we all complained so much Bioware had to step in and say, well, no, 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 that's not what happened. This happened, so there's your answer. And then, like, all of these people just had their hopes and dreams just crushed. The entitlement failed miserably, in my opinion, in, in that particular case. But I, for me, I think also some of it comes... I think some of the fuel that gets added to the fire with a lot of these um, impassioned debates that happen on these um, internet forums is, is, is in a large part because you've got all these people who can communicate and are expressing their opinion, but from, from a lot of the, the companies and corporations, the Bioware staff, for example, they can't all take to Twitter and Facebook and start putting a human face to the corporation because there's obviously a big marketing message there, there's a lot of things that have got to be managed you know, from EA or, or Bioware's side, and you don't want you know, accidentally someone from Bioware saying the wrong thing and then screwing everything up. But um, you know, fortunately for us as a smaller company, we, we try and interact with our fans a lot more. Um, and if you put, I find if you put a human face to it and people realise you know, when you talk to them as a human and go, look, this is why we did this and it kind of sucks that we couldn't do that and we, can't, couldn't, we wanted to do this and the next thing, people start to you know, buy into it more. Whereas if, if you're detached and you're like, you're buying our game, deal with, it, deal with what we do and then don't say any more, I can understand why people can, you know, will start to get frustrated and, and push back about that. And yet, how many of the opinions would be valid though? Well, it's not about, it's, <laughs> it's not about I think, I think having valid opinions. Valid. Like, if you have played, regardless of what the game is and whether you liked it or didn't, you know, at the end of that game, your opinion of what just happened is valid because that's your experience. Yeah. And, and everyone has to be. And, and I don't think it's about saying, you know, if someone says you need to change anything, it's not about whether that's a valid or not valid opinion. It's about interfacing and explaining to them, you know, why you did what you did. We, everything we do in life is based on a decision. And, you know, sometimes you make bad ones, but you talk to people about it, and you, you, you have humility, and you, you, you show a human side to it, and people go, all right, fair enough, but, you know, you, you know you've learned from that, and maybe you'll do better next time, or, or we'd love that. Or, because, the, the, like, everything before that in the game is, is amazing. <laughs> and you need, like, if you put a human face on that, and say, well, you you know, which bits did you like and get and try and change the conversation to get people to talk about the, the Mako <laughs> or you know, any of the other aspects of the game that they love and then suddenly you've got a really, really sorry I keep taking that mic <laughs> um, you get a really positive story out of that uh, let's talk about, I know once again Nick it's not because you're the oldest here you had something to say about the always online nature of the launch of Diablo 3 and sorry, Jinxie, we're going to touch on some city here. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a way and then you can address the easy parts. I do have to say, we had a community manager start looking after Maxis two weeks before SimCity launched. So that was, like, she has come through it so much stronger. But at the same time, for the first time since Mass Effect, I got to go, it's not my title. <laughs> 
Now, so what did you want to say about Diablo 3 is always online? Well, I think it ties into, into this you know, com- consumer expectation. I mean, I think for me a large part of it is a lot of the great games, you know, the Assassin's Creed and the Diablos and the Mass Effects and all that, that come out, the marketing message has to be delivered in a very contained way because you, you can't come out and tell you got everyone about the whole, every aspect of the game before it comes out because then you'll be bored and you're not going to go and buy it. Like, I know what that game's about, I'm not going to go and buy it. So, you know, like film trailers, they show you the cool bits and they show you all the exciting candy and, and wonderful bits and your imagination starts firing off going, this is going to be amazing. Um, and then if a game comes out and doesn't live up to it, which Aliens versus Colonial Marines, I kind of think, fell into that trap. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then you start to get that debate. And Diablo is a really good example. There's so people have such an invested interest in that, so excited about what it is, so excited about. It. I mean, it's what eight, ten, twelve years since the last one came out. Long Even long I was time. young at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so people want it to be great. And so, so many people buy it and can't get online. I, can und- I, I was uh, really frustrated. Because it's like, you're running the biggest MMO in the world, and then you launched um, your real-time strategy, um, StarCraft Two, and you had similar problems then, I think, didn't you? And then you're having it again? You know, that, I, can, I can understand why people got really frustrated about that. In the case of, in the case of Diab- Diablo Three and SimCity, it's... Entitlement isn't that's not entitlement to to talk to um, a, a company who's released a game that you need the internet to play and their servers aren't working and you can't play the game and you know the whole argument of you've bought a game or you've bought a license to be able to play the game and it's not transferable and blah, blah, blah. it that's not entitlement that's that's where you should be well, raising your voices as a unified group of awesome people to say make this game work doesn't um, that depend on how fast the internet speed is. Well, it's not just that servers. Like half of it wasn't the servers as well. Like they just didn't have enough servers. They didn't. They didn't anticipate how many people. I mean, it's a nice problem to have. Like more people (laughs) buy your game than you expected. But you know, it sucks for all the. the, the, uh, Because I think the other problem was they could have so many people playing, but whenever so many more people came on, it just killed it for everyone. And so the 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 problem just got exponential. And and I think they're bright guys. They solved it eventually, but. that must be as a company you must be sitting going uh, what do we do about this did they actually solve it or did people just stop playing so the few left <laughs> yeah that's a good question only, only Blizzard will know the answer to that I imagine well yeah let's talk about some city how's that <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get this out of the way I really yeah, yeah, let's, let's let's just even though it was more title I'm sure you would have copped a fair brand of that yeah I, I think there was um, the the most harrowing thing I've ever seen in my life is comments on our Facebook page that said, I hope you guys walked into the office to find the, the product manager hanging from a beam in the room. Oh, and that's like, very harsh. That is word for word what that was. And that was one of the better written ones, <laughs> let alone the, the nicest, for want of a better word. Like, the, the theme in that is incredibly fucking dark. And that was, like, there were tears in the office for people that had to read that. The, the product manager for Maxis is one of the nicest people that I've ever met. Like, Maxis is a very nice brand, and to see that kind of, of hate offloaded to, to people who really had no impact on how that happened, that was, that's, like, it's, I don't think anyone ever expects the impact that their comments actually have. I think a lot of it is just vitriolic kind of expulsion of, of rage, um, for the most part, that can be justified in some cases and in other cases might just be someone wanting to get something out. 
Yeah. But there is always someone on the other end that has to read that. Like I, we, we kind of we went radio silent for a couple of days because we didn't have anything to say, which in some cases is worse than having a holding statement that says, hey, we, we don't know at the moment, but we'll find out. But you know, there, there were late nights and there were people sitting in there that just were, I, I mean, I didn't sleep under my desk, but I, I almost did just because, you know, I, I didn't want the, the girl, Liz, who's incredible, to, who only started two weeks ago, to have to go through all of that by herself. Um, that said, like, I, and I'm, I'm going to assume something for a second. I don't know this for uh, for any controversial fact, but server architecture is, is a really interesting thing because you know, you've got local servers and you've got physical servers, and server demand for something. If you overestimate that, there is there is an incredible cost, and everyone will kind of go, you know, why not have more servers than you need and then scale it back? But different games run on different servers, run on different like operating systems, and all kinds of different limitations. And if that game, a year down the track, has 10% less people playing it, you've got 90% empty servers, which you can't just turn around and go, I'll just switch them over to this game. It's not a, like a flick of the dial kind of thing. So I think everyone tries to forecast and have a, a, a go at getting it. I think in the last two cases, and I'm choosing words very carefully, um, I think there probably needed to be a deeper look in at anticipation. Um, because yeah. the other thing you get is as soon as those things start to happen is other people will come in to see what's going on. And then yeah. it snowballs. Yeah, oh. and then it just yeah. snowballs. We're, but we're, I mean, we're besties and I, you know, I love you very much. Yeah. But um, EA did it wrong. And you know, we can, I can happily disagree you with that. that. Well, like, you, you, <laughs> you had pre-orders for the game. And I'm not saying this to you. I'm saying like you in general. EA took pre-orders for SimCity over Origin. You know, they had a rough idea of numbers. And I'm a consumer in this point. I'm putting my feet in the shoes of a consumer. You get where I'm going. Um, I don't care what you're doing about servers. I don't care how this works. I bought a game. I want to play it. And yes, that's, you're entitled to, to say that and you're entitled to arc up. If I had to talk to you about it, and I am, you know, we can have a heated discussion, but I'm still going to be respectful. And the problem with the internet is that people forget well, about that and, aspect, and they and just I act like jerks. This is one of the big things about that game, entitlement, for want of a better word, is that that level of anonymity... Uh, anonymity. <laughs> there you go. That's a weird word. <laughs> that, that level of privacy um, that you, you get to hide behind on the internet and, and that, that keyboard warrior kind of syndrome, like, it is a real thing. If you aren't looking at a human face, you are immediately more able to be aggressive. It is, is basic psychology. So when there's no consequences for your actions and you can put anything out there without fear of, you know, if everyone that said something bad on the internet had someone come around and knock on the door and go, I don't think you should have said that, mate. <laughs> that probably would quell the situation somewhat. But it's, it's a, you know, you, you get out what you put out and then there's people on the other end. Like, that's yeah. the, the worst yeah. part of it sometimes. But, um, you know, I'm sure there's other companies in the world that, you know, that aren't involved in video games that go through similar... Like, we, we all use banks and we all phone up, you know, and have a nightmare on hold with banks. And, you know, I, I don't know whether they get regular hate mail that tell the, the whole people hang in the office well, or whatever. But, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but the, the ultimate message there is, you know, it's we, we as customers want to, to consume and use brands that care about... that we feel care about the, us. And, you know, okay, maybe we can excuse Diablo 3 happening once but for it to happen with Diablo 3 and then happen 
with um, SimCity, it's kind of like, like, are you guys actually paying any attention to each other? Do you care about us? Are you at, like, are you actually looking? At, you know, what are your plans? Because there's loads of things that you could do. You could slow down the number of users that are, are, are going on. You could email people or put up some wait list and put them to one server saying you just can't log in, and or or, or do a pre-order system where you know the first five million people can log in because we know we can safely handle that. But but. EA doesn't want to do that because it, they're selling it for 80 bucks or whatever. Um, so we want to sell as many units as we can. And we want to keep selling units until no one buys any more units. So if we tell people that only 5 million people can log in, maybe no one else will buy the game because you know suddenly they'll be bored of it and it won't be a novelty. I mean, if Valve are handling Dota 2 in a really interesting way. It's free. Um, I don't work for Valve, so it's not a promotion. Um, <laughs> uh, it's free, and you, you go on, you say, I want to play Dota 2, and you, you register your interest, and then they'll email you back when, you can get, when you're ready to download it and, and play it, so that they're completely managing, and, and maybe, I mean, it's only just come out, so maybe they'll have a nightmare in the next week or two, who knows, but you know, they're managing it in a very trickle manner, so they're like, we want to make sure everyone who wants to play the game can play it. You just might not be able to play it on day one, it might take a week or it might take two weeks, depending on you know, what our demand is and how quickly we can pick up our servers. And, and, and that's, uh, that's a good way to do things. Are you willing to wait that long if you've put down I got, I got in an hour. I, I emailed and got a, a thing back in an hour, so they're, I, whatever they're doing, they're, they're doing well. Or no one's playing it, I don't know. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone in this room probably has like 50 keys probably sitting in their email account, so if you don't have one for some reason, come and talk to anybody. Yeah. Just turn around and talk to your neighbor. But the other thing as well is that if you want to run your own servers, which obviously EA and Blizzard do because they want to control their users, that, that means that you've got a logistical problem of physically ramping up and down. But there's cloud solutions out there like Amazon. You can use Amazon's cloud service and I've got no idea how it works. We've never done that for games, but people do use it for games and it scales up and it scales down. They've, they've got farms all around the world that do it. So, you know, you could easily use that system if you wanted to make a game and, and run it online as well. So personally, I think in that case, I don't think there's an excuse. I think it's about handling customer expectations better and, and forming a, a, a better way of communicating them. I think it sucks that you get emails like that. I mean, that's horrible and no one should be writing emails like that. Um, but you have to pre prepare for that knowing that your customers are impassioned and, and, and care about what they're buying, yeah, yeah, in, entitlement, and you can be, you can be mad, and you can feel entitled, and it was. I think it's justified in that case, but not to the point where you mm -hmm. know. As soon as you get into death threat territory, yeah. like what bit in your brain isn't firing to go? Oh, I probably shouldn't do that. Have you ever yeah. been on a forum before? <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's why. Yeah. I these, these people have just spent $80 on something they can't play. They can't even take it to EB and like, hey, EB, take your rubbish product back. It's a digital game. You have to wait for uh, EA to fix the problem. There's nothing you can do. You can't even get yeah. your money back in this situation. Yeah. yeah. It's like being on hold for two hours with your bank. You know, you just want to kill someone. It's the same the situation. The They've already got your money. But you can be um, mad and feel like killing someone. You probably just shouldn't articulate it to them. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hope that we would, you know, not do that personally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's talk about, as you said, impassioned consumers. Let's talk about the Xbox One. Um, firstly, I think this is kind of crazy because I'm sure everyone here, you're a pax, you know about this stuff. Like, hey, we don't want this online stuff. And then Microsoft's like, cool, okay, let's not do that online stuff. And now they're launching a petition to put all the online stuff back in. <laughs> what the hell, guys? Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Do you guys have anything to say about that? Because I think that's Oh, crazy. man, I can talk about this for 30 more minutes. <laughs> Um, who who is who hated? I like I, I like asking hey, questions. Who, who's pre-ordered an Xbox One? Who's pre-ordered a PS4 then? And who actually owns a Wii U? <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. 
but this, if you, this goes straight back to the whole marketing issue. Microsoft wasn't clear at all what their product was. They brought it up. No one really understood what they were saying. Then Sony came on stage two hours later, four hours later, and said, we don't have any of that, and our console's cheaper. And they got a huge applause. Well done. <laughs> and so Microsoft really had to look at that and say, well, all Sony's done is release the same product. They're not doing anything groundbreaking, but they also have told you what they're doing very, very clearly. Whereas Microsoft, Don Matrick came up and said, hey, guys, I'm Don Matrick, and here's our product, and he's going to need internet. Then a week later... Don Matrix gone, and now <laughs> who's even running Xbox? Do we know? Not yet. Major announcements. No, it's a, I think there's a lady who's in charge of her entertainment. Oh, is that a thing? Oh, sure. Yeah, she's in charge. It's the lady. It's the lady. Wendy. Wendy. That's her new well, title. <laughs> good luck. Good luck to Wendy. The problem here is just Microsoft had a pretty good idea. Like, we went to go see it at E3 behind closed doors later, and they explained what they were doing. And it was a really cool idea where they could power stuff in the cloud, which was actually possibly going to change games in about two years' time. Not right now, but in two years' time, we could do stuff which we can't do now. And now that won't happen because everyone just got really angry immediately and didn't let them explain what it was, which is their own fault. They should have said, hey, don't worry about this. You only need to check in once a day, which they didn't really explain, and you can use your mobile because the first question we asked was, what if I don't have internet? And they said, you can use your mobile to check in. It doesn't take up a lot. Because um, we did ask about regional Australia, which is maybe 5% of people who can't get decent internet, and, which isn't much. Um, and the guy's answer was, buy an Xbox 360. Yeah, and that was the per- that was the perfect answer, though. Like we were making a product. Perfect answer. We're making a product that is going to use the cloud that needs the internet. It's it's going to slowly change gaming. Or we could keep making the same thing that you know delivers more powerful graphics, but is exactly the same little container. If if we want to evolve, then you have to make some some tough decisions. And if you know people in remote areas can't get one, buy a 360. Wait until you do have internet. Which looks like an Xbox One. So yeah, well, but like nothing's going to change. If you say well, you can't have this, you may as well buy buy the old one. Like that that isn't a an acceptable answer. No, if they had to turn around and, and, and phrase it better, which I feel that's been the biggest issue, is you know, mm. people yeah. are phrasing things in ways that are confusing and vague, and then someone comes along and says something that kind of contradicts that, but you're not quite sure, because what they said was confusing and vague. Yeah. Again, it, it murked the, the waters incredibly, but if they had said, you know, yeah, you know, you may not have really good internet at the moment, but we're going to continue to support the Xbox 360 for the foreseeable future, that is... It's not, it's not the best answer, but it's a much better way of handling it. Yeah, I mean, Ladies I think... Ladies and that's why he's a community manager. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, I mean, I think, I agree. I think what struck me at E3 with, with Microsoft is you had all these little, well, not little, but all these representatives, and they all seem to have different parts of the message to deliver. And it's like they didn't sit down in a room and, and work out a, a, like a common strategy and a common goal and a, and a way to communicate it. Because a lot of the stuff they were doing was really cool. It was really, and it was really quite groundbreaking, but they just made it all sound really, really bad. And really, like, they, they managed to take something that was cool and describe it in a way that just sounded appalling and not thought through. And I don't know what they, how they did that, but, um, you know, Sony at least, I thought they were really clever. They, like, so they didn't they, say anything at all, really. Well, but they put negatives <laughs> in their press No, but they're, they're they're not press doing that. had negatives, but they managed to spin them in such a way that everyone just took positives out of everything about their, their, their press conference. And that, that's good marketing. Apple oh, do yeah. it all the time. They, tell, they go, look at this, and oh, forget about all this bad stuff over here. We've got all the shiny stuff over here. And, and, and people, you know, buy iPhones like there's no tomorrow. During, during Sony's press conference, did you guys actually 
like I don't they barely touched upon it. Did you realize you have to have a plus account to play uh, online now? Because they went yeah, right yeah, past that. Internet. Like that was yeah, one of the yeah. first things that came yeah. out of yeah. Sony. It was like, hey, all this cool stuff, but they're not changing. They are changing this, which yeah. you need to be aware of. Like, yeah, that, that was kind. And of there was no rage. There's like I, I'm not aware of any gamer rage of people going, it sucks that I have to pay now to play online games on PS4. But that's a that's a big thing. I mean, that's a big change. But you get PlayStation Plus with it, so that's cool. Yeah. Well, it was like you were saying with the uh, messaging, I guess, behind the line. Like, I always think of when Steam came out, I got Half-Life 2 and I had a dial-up internet connection. <laughs> that game took, like, two weeks oh. to download, right? And that oh sucked, I wasn't, like, getting on the phone and dialing, and like, you guys are dickheads, why are you doing this? And Steam... You, did, you, did you phone you on did. Telstra and tell them they were dickheads? Yeah, you were on yeah, I'm waiting for my game to download, and that sucked, and then I finally got Half-Life, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's check out the Steam thing, and it was bloated, and it was crap, and it took like three years to get any good. Yeah. No one really complained about it, and look where Steam up now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite upsetting that Microsoft didn't stick yeah. to their game. It's the problem that Bioware had. If, if so many people decide that that's what they want to have changed, and they all yell, yell really loudly, you you try to react but then people it's kind of like where do you stop because then if people don't like that they know that they can complain really loud and then they might change it again so now that we've got the Xbox One DRM taken away people go oh well that kind of oh that wasn't actually that bad maybe let's just yell again and bring it back in like where do you stop? You kind of just have to stick to your guns. But again, you don't, I still think you'd that ask was part for. of the messaging. Like it, they, they kind of went, okay, we're going to take this stuff out. But it was kind of a, if we take this stuff out, we have to sacrifice these things that we did want to put in originally because they're part and parcel. And I think the worst part about that is that, yeah, we are going to miss out on, on some really interesting features. Are we as a country with our internet infrastructure ready for that stuff right now? Probably not. You know, the, the NBN, I, I was looking at where I live now, and I think we're 20, 2019 or 2021 <laughs> that I'm actually going to get. I'm going to be able Your to phone's going to have faster internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be able to look across the road at people who are on the NBN and be envious. But, you know, we, we don't have phenomenal internet in this country. Like, everyone that I know that's on YouTube complains to me daily about their upload speeds. And... Can we do something that's that's entirely based on the cloud at this moment? I kind of feel like that's where some more of the, the issues were coming from. I also think that the media themselves, kind of pre-Xbox One announcement, decided that they like, collectively didn't want DRM. Like, if you read all the websites, IGN, Eurogamer, everyone, it was all... It was almost like they all sat down and went, we're going to find... The, the, everything that's evil about Microsoft and really try and blow it out of proportion because there was no there was no stories about Sony and their DRM. It was all focused on on Microsoft, and I'm sure both probably consoles were at some point were sitting around going, "How do we solve the trading situation and people giving you know trading games back into GameStop and and you know because we don't I, like if you make a disc game, you don't get any money off the off the second sale if someone trades it in at GameStop. So EA and all these big companies understandably want to want to try and reduce that because we'd rather you spend cash that comes to us so we can make better games rather than make GameStop richer, quite frankly. Um, and I think that's where the DRM you know, came from. I'm sure both of them are looking at it, and, and I'm sure Sony probably only changed it because they looked at what was happening to Microsoft and went, yeah, let's not handle that. Um, but it, it just felt really weird how suddenly all the media focused on that, and, that w- and just going into E3, Microsoft couldn't get away from that. They were just hounded. Well, it's like enti- entitlement is a weird 
term, not a term. A re, a, it's a weird concept. Like you can, how many people, as soon as you talk about DRM, and you know, like you, you don't give any money to the, the publisher if you sell your your disc. Well, yeah, but then what's the first thing people say? Well, if I sell my car, I don't have to give Toyota money back again. Yeah. So, their entitlement is strange because sometimes you're like clearly right, and sometimes you're just yelling. And I don't know how how do you define what's what. Once again, Microsoft didn't explain what they did because the problem I had is. Well, remember when you were 10 and you had to loan games to your friends because you had absolutely no money? Yeah, yeah. You bought two games a year and you had to swap. And that was your only option. And we talked about this for a while. And Steve and I discussed this in a podcast ages ago. And we didn't really understand what Microsoft meant because they said, oh, if this is one of your friends and you've had them on your Xbox list for at least a month, then they can borrow it, but you have to transfer the license. What if I'm not someone's Xbox friend? Why do I have to be... I'm not all my actual friends' Xbox friends. I deleted you last week. I know. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Everyone at school starts teasing you because you're not a friend on Xbox. Exactly. It felt like they hadn't decided on everything. It's that, and that's why I think it, people got frustrated is there was a lot of little bits of information coming. Like, like you can share games with your friends, but there were no specifics on how many people you can do that with or how you would do it. And do I actually, when I borrow the game, do I get the full game from you? Or am I borrowing a demo? And if I'm borrowing a demo, what the, why, why do I want to do that when I can probably just download a demo? Um, so, the, like, not being clear. If they'd come out and gone, you can lend games to, I mean, quite frankly, why can't I just lend it to anyone? You know, yeah. and, but, and I can't play it while you're borrowing it. Just do something like that. And who cares? Like, someone's paid for it somewhere. Sounds kind of like what their original. Well, but they didn't make it clear. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly the problem. I also kind of think, and I'm probably, I mean, I I need to preface this. I kind of feel like no DRM has become a marketing term lately. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where, you know, DRM, in in whatever way you look at it, um, Steam has DRM. And it's something that they look like they might be changing if the rumours are true. But again, we're talking about rumours, you know. If I have a Steam account on my computer and my girlfriend puts her Steam account on my computer and downloads a game, that game is installed on my computer, but I can't play it through my account. I have to be logged in. Even account. if you own, even if you own the same game, do you even, have to, well, if that, I own the same game, then it's just going to play my version. You can buy, but like you don't have to. You don't have to install it twice. Do you? No, I don't no, have no, to install no. it because it's installed. I believe I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure about that. Um, that would be crazy. Even if I've got, say, you know, the game installed on the hard drive under her account, I can't play that online. You know, I could do that on the 360. Yeah. But no DRM now has become this kind of thing where it's like, oh, you know, we're coming out like um, the the GOG site constantly is like, hey, we're having a no DRM sale, guys. You should buy everything because you can do what you want with it. And I kind of feel like what DRM is and what no DRM is are two very, very different things now. Well, no one complains about iTunes. And I don't, I, like that, I, to me, really? okay, okay. Really? everybody here complains about iTunes. iTunes. Well, I, didn't, I didn't know you all complained about iTunes. <laughs> People don't Okay, let me rephrase it. Does anybody send death threats to Apple? Probably, like people yeah, don't probably, seem to be yeah. as brave. Look, hey, everybody I'm dies. I'm so out of touch. All right. Happy internet in Canada, Steve. I guess. Why don't I say that? You're more of an Australian. Gamer rage is is a thing. And, and, you know, like, justified or not. But, like, I don't think there's music lover rage, is there? I don't know. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm awful. I'm out. Never mind. I'm just, okay, sorry, I'm out. <laughs> We're just in a little game bubble. We don't, we don't realize. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Like, I don't see... 
I don't see. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but, you know, I don't see Justin Bieber coming out with an album and everyone going, I fucking hate this shit. All I see is... I don't see Justin Bieber fans saying that. I see... He has fans, no? I see the rest of the... I was there for St. Anger, which was, interestingly, just before social media was a massive thing. Yet still, I had people come up to me that I'd never met before and go, gee, that's St. Anger album, shit else. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you, Nick. You make games. Uh-huh. You've made a few games now. A few. Have you ever had any issues from uh, consumers? No, we've been, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not an EA size or a Bioware size yet. We're trying, Get but we're now. not there. Um, no, I mean, I think... We're quite we're small. There's like five of us. We fluctuate between three and five, and um, we we it's it's like a family-run business for us. You know, we we interface directly with the consumers. If consumers come to us and with issues and talk on our forums, then we'll engage with them. And you know, but like, we do have people moan about the price that we release our game. Like, so five bucks is too much to buy a game, apparently. Um, <laughs> that is ten, just ten bucks is like way too much to buy a game. You know, yeah. because that's like literally a, a sandwich in Australia. Um, I'd rather buy one sandwich than a video game Okay, Um, so people will rage about that but the way I always address it is like look, I need to buy hamburgers too so (laughs) um, I I need to eat and you buying my game means I can eat and then as soon as you, most kids, as soon as they're like oh, and then you'll get people on the forum going yeah, you've got to buy their game because they need to eat and But it is, it's, you put a, a stupid human face on it and people kind of calm down a little bit. But if you leave it too long and you don't address them and you, you ignore people or you just go, you know, they're just buying our stuff, let's ignore them and treat them like crap, then sure, people are going to get angry. I well, make coffee snobs that'll pay $8, $9 for a coffee, but won't yeah, pay $2.49. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah. What was the worst feedback that you've ever had so far? Mm. Um... I don't think it's been... T- I'm trying to... Bruce actually in the audience handles most of our, um, our, our consumer side of stuff, but I don't, think, I don't think it gets too bad. I mean, people... We've, we don't really get very many complaints. It's, it is mostly about pricing. And pe- you know, it's either that or people just going, I don't like this game. And you know, I, I just, when people say that, it's like, I'm not even going to bother engaging because you've got your opinion and all it appears to me is I'm being really super defensive about you know, why you should like my painting or my house or whatever. You know, it's like, you've got your choice. You don't like it, that's cool. And you just leave that conversation and usually it dies. Or sometimes we've got some great fans who come along and go, you're just talking rubbish, and then they'll argue amongst themselves, and, you know, that's fine. Um, <laughs> but you, there's no point in getting engaged in that, because you just sound defensive, and it's, you're on a losing battle. But when it's about price, I just anything that I think we can put a human face to and explain why, why we've done something in a particular way, and, and explain the reasoning to it, and, and sound human, I will, will do. But if it's just going to sound like I'm, you know, being this, you know, I'm, if I'm going to sound pathetic... Or defensive, or or insecure, or you know, like I'm 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 trying to defend my product too much. Then we just kind of stay away because as soon as you do that, then you you release you make a you reveal a weak point, mm. and that and I think that's what happens with a lot of the gamer rage. You know, if you close ranks and don't say anything, people will people will get really shirty about that because you want feedback. You phone Telstra because you want your bloody internet to work, and when you can't get through to someone, it you you just get more and more angry. Yeah. Um, so I mean, for me, the whole message is: we as games 
makers and creators have to become more in touch with our fans and communicate. That doesn't mean I'm, we're going to give you everything that you want. That doesn't mean that you know it's going to be all singing, all dancing, and we're going to try and do everything. It just means that we're going to explain what we want to do, and if you buy into that, awesome. You know, uh, But if you don't buy into that, it's cool. There's going to be a bunch of other games that you're going to like, and you can go and buy them instead. Well, I mean, games are a creative medium just like anything else, and... You know, done like a movie, you don't ask the director to reshoot the whole movie. Yeah, although people do. Unless it's too much. But at the same time, the director's not going to turn it on most of the time. No. Sometimes the directors do that. Yeah, Yeah, the DVD will change or it'll, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Richard. Then you get these things called the director's cut. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Blade Runner has about seven of them. (laughs) Uh, So the enforcers said that we should maybe ask if anyone wants to have questions or say anything in general. So we might do that for 15 minutes before wrapping up. There's one over there in the back. Do we have a microphone? I don't know. What? Yell. (laughs) Yell and we'll get the uh, mic on the next one. Wait, have we got a gamer that likes to yell? <laughs> 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 Just give them that. Yeah. Um, my question is, um, we've been talking about a lot of examples of how gamers' opinions and gamers' voices have affected companies' opinions or companies' decisions to overturn things. For example, Mass Effect. Oh, a lot of people didn't like the ending, so it was changed. But then on the other scale, you have things like the boycott of Left 4 Dead 2, which, let's be honest, did nothing. <laughs> At what level do, does a company or even a department say, okay, there's enough people, or okay, they're making enough points that we have to do something? That's a good, I mean, that's an interesting one. How would you... Actually, I feel like that was talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't talking to me. But, so. Do you know, have you got any insight on what the process happened in, in, that made Bioware decide that they felt like they needed to change the ending? Do, do, you, do you have any... I think um, the, there, there is this massive perception that EA tells Bioware what to do, and it's not actually true, and I know no one's going to believe me when I say that. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know that that extended cut ending was coming out until I got the email from Bioware, I think it was it was probably about three days before they announced it, and they said, we've heard the feedback, we, we think this extended cut that we're going to put out for free, we, we think this might kind of help the situation. Um, but that was entirely their decision, and the whole time we were sitting there going, oh my god, this hasn't stopped. So it was, uh, yeah, like, it's, it was their choice. Um, what it did do, though, was that they had already started working on uh, DLC. I'm just trying to think what the first Mass Effect 3 DLC was. I, I want to say... Uh, Leviathan. Ten points. <laughs> Leviathan got pushed back so that the extended cut could happen. And, and people it probably complained. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think people were happier that they were getting an extended cut or an answer. Um, rather than paid DLC. And I think the worst possible thing they could have done was work that into a paid DLC. I think releasing it as a yeah. yeah, that would have, you know, even if you've got 27 hours of extra content, if you were only getting it for that extra ending, you would have yeah, yeah. it. Um, but yeah, like, there, there was almost a stop production. Like, everyone, people got called back in from their contracts being finished to come and work on this last bit of content. Um, which absolutely doesn't answer your question in the slightest. Um, so it's it's kind of a case by case. Basis. Yeah, case by case. Like I, I I know how much the Bioware guys looked into it. I know how important the Bioware forums are, especially to, to guys like Chris Priestley. Like Chris practically lives in those forums. Um, 
And I think it's it's not so much a case of there is a number of people that go, once we hit critical mass, we need to change it. Because we've still got Star Wars 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't, Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> Part of the, like the entitlement that we feel we have sometimes is that it, all all of these games companies are still companies. So like, yes, I'm sick of some franchises coming out year after year, and yes, I wish they wouldn't. But people are buying them year after year after year, and the stakeholders of the companies are saying, "Well, that still makes money. Why would you delay that by a year and a half? Why don't you just put out seven of them?" Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm yeah, I mean, off, I, I, yeah. I, I think with sequels, um, like Call of Duty obviously comes out annually in FIFA and, and Madden. Um, Call of Duty would probably come out monthly if they could manage it, I think. <laughs> uh, I do not have an opinion on that. <laughs> um, but I, I think, uh, looking at the way, I, I could be wrong, but looking at the way Activision works, I think they kind of, it, they've got two teams, is it not? And they do, one team releases one one year and one, another team releases another year. So I'd like to think, like, within those two years, basically, that they've got to work on a game, that they are, I'm imagining, and I don't play Call of Duty, I'm not a big fan of, I've kind of over first-person shooters now, I've kind of killed enough people in my life. Um, <laughs> it, virtually, I have to ask. <laughs> Before the cops arrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're all criminals here, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, that was a joke. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'd imagine that you, you've got two teams probably communicating with each other, but they're trying to add new and, and, and fun things to do. I mean, I'm presuming that Call of Duty hasn't just stagnated and there is no change every second. Um, yes, Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the most successful MMO every year. You pay a subscription. <laughs> the yeah. Oh, but, the, but, yes, dog. Oh, yeah. dog is there you go. It's a new feature. <laughs> but I think like, even, even something like um, some of the games that I look after, like, some of them are in development a couple of years before they get made. Um, I, I'm going to talk, uh, and I'm not going to say anything new, don't get your hopes up. Um, Mirror's Edge, I, I have known, and it has been kind of rumoured for it to have been in development for quite a long time. You know, that is, that is one of DICE's babies. Like, that has been... It's not just something that they've kind, kind of gone, well, obviously we'll do a Mirror's Edge. Like, yeah. They've been working on that for, for a while. But I think you've also got to look at it that, like, for Activision, I mean, they, you know, they're a big company, and they're making a lot of money at Call of Duty, which is obviously why they're doing sequels. But the money that they'll get in will allow them to do other things. So, you know, every, every company needs, a, like, a continual successful products so that they can afford to, afford to invest in other things. So, you know, like, Skylanders came out of nowhere. That's a, I mean, obviously, they're doing it to maybe to death, arguably, now, but... Um, that, that was a brand new product. They invested in it. They did a whole product line. They've got all these toys and probably TV shows and, video, and, and films and stuff. Um, so, but the money from, say, Call of Duty is what allowed them to be able to do that. 
um, and probably World of Warcraft contributed an awful lot of money towards that as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so and it's, it's like EA, EA will do your FIFAs, which is bread and butter, and your Maddens and, and things like that, and, and that will bring in a lot of money every year. But then it allows them to, to fund games like Mass Effect or a New Mirror's Edge, or so you and, 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 and a good company will try and balance, balance that. But and if we're if we're talking about like entitlement or the you know feeling like you have a sense of entitlement about something. If you're sick of Call of Duty games and you wish they wouldn't put out one yeah, year after year after year, don't, don't buy it. And then, like, actually don't buy it. Don't wait till it's cheap. Yeah. If you don't like a game, don't buy it. Like, I can't remember which game it was. There was, like, a Steam group that said, we're never going to play this game. And, like, the first day the game was released, they all had it already. <laughs> that, no, you failed. Try again. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to another question. We've got less than 10 minutes left. Someone's holding up a banana. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Next question Don't is answer that one. Effective strategy, <laughs> sir. Thanks for coming out. I would just make a comment for everybody in this room. If you buy a product, even if it's digital and it's broken, you have certain rights under the consumer guarantee. Look up the ACL. Uh, for the panel, um, what is the right way to communicate with you guys if we deeply disagree with this decision you like and make you a single player online only or uh, something like that? What is the way to productively communicate? This is a no death question threats. I feel is nice <laughs> towards me. Um, <laughs> you know what? Mad Max did it really, really well. They yeah. Did. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was revealed at E3, they had an American accent, and Avalanche Studios didn't realize that was a problem until all these Aussies said, hey, Mad Max is like our one thing. <laughs> <laughs> and within a week, they said, we hear you, we're changing it. End of discussion. Um, I, I kind of feel like they were still at a point in development where that was an easy kind of change. That's also true, yeah. but at least the problem came up really, really early and they could do this and now we can just yeah. move on. Well, well, we, we've seen a similar one with um, Kiefer Sutherland and, and Metal Gear Solid. I'm going to be honest, Lost Boys is one of my favourite movies. I mean, you put a vampire Kiefer Sutherland in anything. Like, he's always a vampire. I don't care what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Barrow the vampire. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, if, if you want to complain about something... And I, I keep kind of t- 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 taking complain and replacing it for entitlement and stuff. But just the, with the way that social media works now, everybody just wants to yell. And, you know, like with the Xbox One and now people are changing their minds, I feel like people maybe didn't stop and think about what it actually means for them. And they just wanted to be yelling with the crowd. But, you know, like when Mad Max just got flipped around... Um, you know, when people on NeoGAF decided to make a hashtag and, you know, have, like, some sort of unified front, that's, like, that's actual thought being put into how you're going to go and talk to a company and tell them that you're not happy. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think places like Reddit and NeoGAF, um, they're, they're, oh, my God, they're interesting places. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're, when, when a group of people start almost crowdsourcing thought, you know, they will go and get almost all of the evidence that they can before they decide to go, you know, let's take this to Twitter. There, there is a campaign, almost, that's, that's created there. And I think that's a great way, and I love that we live in an age where we can do that no matter where we are in the world. Um, I have such a forward-facing job. I am available on the Facebook page. I'm available on the Twitter account. I'm available on my Twitter account. Not so much my Facebook page. I've, I've tried to keep that... Like, you know, that's where I go to vent when I need to vent. Um... But, but yeah, like for, for companies as a whole, you know, there, there are a lot of, of companies now that are turning to a, a, a community kind of focus where they do have someone that is there to listen. You know, I am always up for a discussion. Even if you're just going to tell me that you hated something about something, I still want to hear it. Like, that stuff is still important to, to me personally. You know, everyone has an opinion and it's entirely valid. Yeah. 
I'd, I'd like to add to that as well. Also, that isn't just not not just for games, but you know, you're a consumer, and if you if you purchase a product that you don't like, obviously you can try and get refunds. And you know, digital products is maybe harder to do that, or you can't get through to the, the corporation. I would say try and put your argument through eloquently and politely, um, where where you can, because you're much more likely to get listened to and responded to than if you tell people to f off or hang or whatever. Yeah, I can, um, I can actually prove <laughs> that. Like anything that comes through nicely, yeah. I am so much more excited to yeah. handle. It's yeah. cold. Like, oh, thank you for taking the time to write. Yeah. Is, is, it depressing? Depressing? is it depressing that you like actually have to say that though like what yeah, happened yeah, to common yeah. sense yeah but I'd also go further and say you know if you if you find yourself interfacing with a company that isn't giving you the service that you want you have options so you know if, if you if they're not giving you the level of service that you want stop buying their product you know if you if you don't like Telstra stop using them if you don't like Optus stop using them and then move somewhere else because your money even though it might only be $50 for this thing if enough people do it they'll get the message <coughs> You know, and then they'll they'll focus on um, cha- changing things. You, we are as a as a group, very very you know consumers. You're very powerful. So, and you you put your message across eloquently. If they don't listen, and they and they could repeatedly don't listen, then take your business elsewhere. Out of curiosity, has anyone actually handwritten a complaint of yet? Handwritten. Hand. Like a pen. Do you know what handwriting is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if everybody in this room does. Actually, they're like, well, oh, what's a pen? They can fax it through. <laughs> when, when on the playground, you just have a pen and paper and you wrote notes. It's great. Uh, 
space hall. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough male space whores in my opinion. I'm, I'm, I'm gay and, and gay I can have sex with like one man, but, but if you're a girl, you can have sex with everyone. I mean, it's kind of a little bit double standards there in my opinion. Yeah. Have you played Dragon yeah. Age? Sorry? <laughs> sorry? Have you played Dragon Age? Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm sorry, as a gay man, I don't want to have sex with really effeminate and super campy elves all the time. You know, I'd like, I'd like my options to be a little bit more diverse. Yes, sir. Uh, okay, I have one more question. I saw this guy down there. Is he ready for an We didn't actually talk about that lady's question at all. Yeah, I was going to ask that's ready for an Oh, Just okay. before you ask the question, I do want to ask, because it's really important to me, who did you send that letter to? Did you send that letter to, to, to Funcom? I mean, I, my personal opinion is, sorry, I keep doing that, um, I think that we're still, unfortunately, it's still such a boys' industry, this, and oh, it's yeah. still, we're still so focused on, I mean, that's why we have first-person shooters out the, you know, all over the place and, and driving games, and, you know, we are, we're making strides there, and I, I think it sucks that there's not more um, done to address um, that and put more balance, and, and hopefully, you know, the fact that there are more female gamers coming in and people growing up doing it and, and there's and I love seeing all these mods where they change Mario into Princess Peach so that you know the young daughters can play games and, and changing um, Zelda into Link and things like that you know we need we need more of that and we need people um, bringing bringing that to the industry because we've got to start to get out of the boys bedroom and be you know and, and, and accommodate more people and so I, I think it sucks that you've had that experience and, um, and, and, and it's good to know that it's not you know everything that you've experienced but even having one experience like that sucks Mm-hmm. Um, it occurs to me that one of the ways of dealing with this game entitlement issue um, is putting the continued development of a game into the hands of the community. Like you see in Team Fortress 2, it, like Valve gives out its development tools. You've got Hammer and all those sorts of things. <coughs> Even now, they've got uh, people submitting stuff to the Steam Workshop and um, in a more general sense, they uh, allow people to open up their own servers. Like, the majority of the servers that people play Team Fortress 2 on are community servers. Like, there's only a handful of our servers. Um, do you think more games should have, like, adopt this approach, like, bringing the community in? So, in other words, we should have asked Bioware, hey, can we make the ending for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes, no, no I would do you know, that would have been those. quite fun, just as a competition, just yeah. to see what people do. <laughs> that would have been quite fun. Um, no, I, I think it's. I, I think Valve are a really clever company. You know, they've they've, re- they've identified very early on that their community is super important to them. That's why Steam is so successful because they've got this massive feedback loop of they do cool stuff, users buy the games, love what they do. Feed, and it, you know, you just get this positive. I'm mean, sure there's negativity. I'm sure there's people that hate stuff on the forums, but you know, they're also a very big and, and wealthy company. You know, they can and they spend time on like three or four products. They're not. Pushing out sequel after sequel after sequel. So, so <laughs> one. Oh, that's that's not yeah. so, But I think it's expensive. It ta- like if, it, to, to do what you're suggesting takes a lot of a lot of money, and I'm sure they've got a lot of people managing um, the community side of things. Um, and you know, whereas other companies want to get on and maybe do their next product. I, I think one of the other things, and, and again, I'm assuming I'm, I'm not speaking for, for anyone, but my personal opinion. Um, I think once you start opening any kind of software up for, for modifications, you, know, you you run the risk of 
the experience of that game being worsened, you, you also, by all means, increase the risk of, of it being a better experience because for some particular person, they get what they were missing out of that game originally. Um, but I think especially with, like, the, there is such a massive sort of esports shift that's happened soon, recently as well, um, if those games were modifiable to, to any kind of level, that really opens it up for exploitation and cheating as well. So there, I, I, I definitely think that people's feedback and everything is, is incredibly important in what, in what games people want and what directions people want games to go. Um, should it happen for all games? I don't honestly know. This is your answer. All right, guys, thanks so much for coming out to the panel.